Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Woolican. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season. Even some that ran only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. If you don't come back with some kitty litter, you'll be sorry. We are doing... Really, that's the quote you went with? That's the one I had written down. Ugh. (laughs) That's a very weird quote from this very quippy 1993 sitcom pilot, The Elvira Show. Yup. That Elvira. Yes, the Elvira. Yes. It is Elva, of course, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the celebrated horror hostess. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a loose sequel to the film Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yes. Uh, the film was in 1988, and it took until 1993 for this pilot to be filmed. Unfortunately, it was never aired. It was never aired. This was going to be on CBS. Yes. And it stars your favorite witch, Elvira. Yes, it stars uh, Cassandra Peterson as Elvira, Mm -hmm. but she's billed as Elvira as herself. Yes. Um, There's no one else that uh, you really know in this, with the exception of the also-ran for um, her niece, who we'll talk about in a minute, was Hilary Swank. Wait, What? The girl who did not get the role. Okay. I was about to say, that was not Hillary Swank in this. No, the girl who did not get the role. Was, was Hillary Swank. Uh, but before we get into the ins and outs, so to speak, of the Elvira show, let's pour one out. Yes, let's pour one out. What do you got there, Laura? I have a beer flavored with melons with a lot of head. For no particular reason. Is that what it's called? Sure. <laughs> All right. How's your beer? It's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, I have ice in it like a heathen because it wasn't cold. But it's very refreshing. Ooh, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's very good. It's very melony. Yeah, it's a melon cart. Okay. Two roads brewing if somebody cares that much. Uh, that's very nice. Uh, I have... Elvira's Love Potion. I started with... What's floating in it? Toenails. Cool. Uh, So I have... uh, I started with an orange seltzer because I thought something about it made me think about like big oranges. And then uh, I did some Malibu coconut rum because something about the show made me think about like big coconuts. Uh, And then I wanted it to be red so I added grenadine and that turned it orange. So I put a little bit of Kool-Aid in it as well for coloring. And then to represent toenails, uh, I have a little bit of sprinkles. Because we didn't have anything else we could convincingly make look like toenails in the Mm -hmm. house. But it's very good. Canonically, it should be mostly herbal tea and some toenails. Oh, that's right. She does say it's herbal tea. Yeah. But I'm not drinking something hot. Yeah, it is quite warm in the studio. It Mm -hmm. uh, It is still May. Yes, it is. So we open, we spend almost the entire show in the living room set. 
there's one scene that is not in this yes. one set. Yes, and when it switches... We're doing sets, a bottle episode! When it switches sets, it feels weird. <laughs> and also the other set is very small. Yes, it is. So, uh, we open on Elvira is making money by doing psychic readings. And she's doing a psychic reading for Lorraine. Yes. A woman in the town she lives in. Manhattan. Right. Kansas. Manhattan, Kansas, which is a fun little joke. Uh, it's also the real-life birthplace of Cassandra Peterson. Really? She's from Manhattan, Kansas? Yes. That's funny. So, uh, that's kind of why that, that's the place she is. And she goes, I see something in your future in Lorraine. Is it a man? Lorraine is thirsty. Yes. Do you know a... Uh, Bill? No. How about the Bob? No. Uh, Jack? No. Mike? No. You don't know anybody named Mike? No. I, let's talk about this, because I, I find that whole exchange very interesting, because this is before John Edwards. Yeah. And she's doing a bad cold read. Yeah. Because that's what John Edwards does. Sorry for, to all you people who believe John Edwards has powers. I don't think John Edwards is important anymore. No. But... Yeah, the, the way he stands up and he goes, mm, I'm getting like a, a buh, like a, maybe a bob or a bill or a buck. And kind of just feels out and sees if anyone reacts. And then he's like, oh, do you know a bill or a buck or something? Uh, yeah. But like the fact that this is before John Edwards means it's before like Penn and Teller's bullshit in South Park. Like openly showed how this was done. Yes. So this is kind of like a really ahead of its time joke. Oh, yeah. In, in like, it's giving away the secrets of psychics. And um, Elvira is running a special on love potions. There's an upcharge for fidelity. Yes. Um, him being faithful costs extra. Now, I will say it's a little confusing here. Yeah. Because she's so clearly not a psychic. Like, they make that very clear. But she actually is a witch. Yes. Which is odd <laughs> to make her bad, but also actually a witch. So it's this kind of, they're witches and she's kind of hiding in plain sight. Right. She is posing as a fraud, essentially. Yes. So that, you know, they don't really catch on that she's really a witch. So she also has a snarky talking cat. Yes. Named Redfield, which is a Dracula reference. Yes. And there's a great exchange of, how can I thank you? Next time, bring cash. Yes, because she wants to play with okay, a by credit. check. No, by credit card, I thought. Oh, I thought it was by check, because this is 1993. They had credit cards in 1993. I know, but like, it wasn't common for like a household. Like. Yeah, that's the problem. Like. When small businesses first started using credit cards, they didn't want to use it because some of the profits go to the credit card company. So Elvira saying next time use cash is her way of saying, like, I want all of the profits. I will lose some by using credit card. This was a big 90s thing. Yeah, I really thought it was that she was trying to pay by check. Um, but sure, uh, it's not worth arguing about. I am tempted to go through the YouTube video to find out who's right. Oh, do it. Oh, do it. So Laura just looked at the footage just to double check. Yeah. What's, what's the verdict here? Now you can 
say it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a credit card because this was a very common 90s joke. Anyway, uh, one thing we do need to mention is how the love potion works. Yes, because I have here in my notes just simply the sentence, that is a dildo. Uh, it's a big red candle shaped like a man. I don't know why you think it says that. I think it looks like a dildo. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be shaped like a man because that's what she's trying to invoke. It's definitely got a head. I could see where they look similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has to dance around it naked until she works up a sweat. Yes, and after drinking the love potion. Yeah, and that's really, really important. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah, that actually does come in. So next, Aunt Minerva enters. Yes, Aunt Minerva comes and there is a shopping cart uh, following her and people laugh and yeah. I say shopping cart why is that funny I guess because this woman has stolen a shopping cart because she's quirky I think it's one of those things where the studio audience knows more about the show than we've been informed because yeah. this is the first time we've seen her so we don't know that she's a witch so I think the fact that she's using her power to make the shopping cart move on its own is what's funny but I don't have the context for that. Yeah. That the studio audience has been informed of. So what I decide to do, uh, I'm going to, uh, I made a note anytime I thought there was a line that the studio audience laughed at that wasn't a joke. Okay. So we'll go through those. All right. And so she's talking to Aunt Minerva and Aunt Minerva is a little too obvious about being a witch. Yes. And then... Uh, Elvira goes, as long as you don't do it in public, you can do it as much as you like. And then uh, Renfield goes, until you need glasses. Yes. Oh, wait. Because Minerva already wears glasses. What do you think that joke is? Oh, it's clearly a masturbation joke. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Because you'll go blind. Yeah, and she's already wearing big, thick glasses. Hence the, oh, wait. Yeah, I thought that was a, a daring joke to slip onto CBS. I feel like this show is full of jokes that are very daring for CBS. Yeah, in the early 90s. Uh, And Elvira admonishes Aunt Minerva saying, I'm sick and tired of pulling up stakes to keep from getting burned at one. Yeah. Which is a good joke. That's a great joke. Good puns. And they talk about um, they're living in the middle of nowhere in Manhattan, Kansas. Kansas. The city that always sleeps. Yeah, the little apple. Yeah. And they're trying to kind of settle that... Which I, I always think is interesting when you move to a small town, when you're trying to blend in. Mm-hmm. I've never understood this trope. It is so much easier to blend in and disappear in a larger city. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many more weirdos there. Like, I, <laughs> I worked in Philadelphia for years. Mm-hmm. I could have walked past Elvira in full Elvira on the street and been mm-hmm. like, huh, Elvira. If, if we moved to a small town... We would easily be the weirdest people there. Oh, yeah. And we're not even witches. Right? So, the cat, we find out his name is Renfield, and that's really funny. And then a handsome man appears, and he's looking for a psychic. Uh, I do have one line here where uh, Minerva says, What's the big deal? It's not like we're Siegfried and Roy. Don't quite understand that joke. Because they're Sigrid and Roy were known as magicians. Right. So I think Minerva's going like, we're not publicly performing. Right. I just, like, there was also a time in the 90s where it was just funny to mention them. Just like 
Siegfried and Roy will have comfort and joy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in the early 90s, they were probably like the best known gay couple. Yeah. So it was just like people would giggle to mention them. And they, they did it here. So, uh, by the way, Laura just sang a line from Bat Boy. Just one. Yes, I did. Just one of It seemed like quite the non sequitur. She was just quoting Bat Boy. I feel like longtime listeners of the show would probably be like, "Yeah, it's a musical theater reference of some kind." Yeah. I mean, uh, our our Discord has a musical theater channel. Yes. Because of me. Join the Patreon. Yeah, join the Patreon. We actually have a lot of fun on the Patreon, so it's fun. Uh, so a handsome man appears looking for the psychic, Chip Taylor. Yes. Generic McGeneric name. Yeah. Hottie McHotface. And like, Chip Taylor is such a, like, generic 90s hot guy name. Yeah. It's, it sounds like your typical white dude with muscles. <laughs> Picture what you think Chip Taylor looks like. Yeah, you, you nailed it. You're right. <laughs> That's what he looked like. Elvira notices him. And does a slinky walk into her parlor. And then I make a note of, like, my godfather, who loved Elvira, would have absolutely loved this show if he'd ever seen it. Yeah. Uh, There was a giant Elvira cutout in his basement, like one of the life-size cardboard cutouts. In the 80s, basements came with that. Well, that's not the the cutout we have the real good story about. Uh, They had one of Lucy Lawless's Xena, but her boobs were worn off. Yeah, in the 90s, basements came with that. (laughs) Fair enough. And there's my favorite joke in the entire show is in this point. Okay. Elvira sits before her crystal ball and says, I see big things in your future. And in the crystal ball are just her boobs. Like the way she's angled, her boobs appear in the crystal ball. Very large. And it's a great joke. It is really funny. This It's very, like, all this, like, cat and mouse is very uh, funny and well-written and, like, wall-to-wall jokes. Uh, but it, I do end up feeling like, what world are we in where Elvira is just desperate for a man? <laughs> like, she just can't find a man <laughs> that would take her out. I mean, I'm guessing... Um... It's, you know, for want of options, like there's not a lot of, it's a small town and pickings are slim. Yeah, and I don't don't find Chip to be that attractive. I mean, he's really generic looking. Yeah, so I think, I'm looking at it critically, because that's what this show is. I think the purpose of this is, Elvira's going after that average guy like he's the sexiest thing alive. I have a shot with Elvira. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, this is all, like, very much male fantasy. I, it's also very funny, because this was written by an SNL writer um, named Ann Beats. So this was actually written by a woman. Oh, I could tell. It's definitely, like... The, the male fantasy is there for the men, mm-hmm. and the humor is there for the women. Because it's Elvira. Like... No, the male, the only male character who really talks is Chip. Yes. And Renfield. And they're not really objectifying Elvira. Mm. Elvira is objectifying herself because she thinks it's hilarious. Yes. And I respect that. Absolutely. Um, 
But I, I loved I See Big Things in Your Future. It's my favorite joke in the show. Yeah, very well done. It's a sight gag. It's one of those great jokes that, like, if you were watching it with somebody who is, you know, our age when this would have aired, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gotten it. But everyone over the age of, like, 12 would be like, <laughs> See, and, and what's great about it, because I want to bring up the, the Siegfried and Lie uh, Roy joke again. Because that was a 90s stock joke. And there are jokes that always appear in sitcoms and stuff. Like, you know, he's right behind me, isn't he? Yeah. Like that, that type of stuff. What's great about that joke is it really could only exist for Elvira. Yeah. Because, like, she's the one that would have a crystal ball and has the assets to make that joke work. Yeah. And, and having a joke like that that's, like, very original and key to that show really is what makes it special. It's... A lot of this show only works because it's Elvira. Yes. And then they open... There's a knock at the door and Elvira's very unhappy. Yes. Because she is, you know, thinking... It's so far going well with Chip Taylor. Right. Because he wants a love potion. And she she's kind of like, well, what do you need a love potion for? Right. Essentially, it's number one, be attractive. Number two, don't be unattractive. Mm-hmm. And she opens the door and it's like a Girl Scout. Yes. And Elvira asks, Oh, put me down for two boxes of chocolate mint and one vanilla cream. Thanks. <laughs> Slams the door. Yes. Girl Scout re-rings. Mm-hmm. She is Paige Grayson, Elvira's niece. Yes. So Chip leaves and offers to come back tonight. Yes. And we find out that Paige is the daughter of Elvira's brother, Elvin. Yes. Who is long passed away. No, this is not before Minerva comes down. And also places a, an order for cookies. Oh, I'll have one chocolate mint and two golden nut clusters. <laughs> and I yell, we did this joke already. Yes. Uh, Paige was raised by nuns on a remote island convent and looks like if Paul Rubens was a teenage girl. This girl looks so much like Pee Wee Herman. It's unbelievable. Like... I almost wish she'd been in Gotham as, like, Penguin's sister. Yes, she looks more like Pee Wee Herman in this than Pee Wee Herman looks like Pee Wee Herman in that Area 53 show we watched. Yes. Like, if I put both pictures up and said, which one is Pee Wee Herman, you would probably pick wrong. Yeah, like, this, the way she's styled, she looks like Paul Rubin's doing a character yeah and it's not her fault no like she's styled in a way like she's got like this black bowl cut yeah and her clothing is very very conservative because she's raised by nuns and she clearly is a little taken aback by aunt elvira yes we cannot dress in ways that tempt men to sin opportunity only gives you knockers once great joke (laughs) And Minerva and Elvira are now trying to figure out if Paige has the family secret. Yes, the the gift. Yeah, they, they're trying to figure out if Paige is also a witch. And then we go to the only other set in the entire show. Yes. Which is a DA's office. Yes, which I bet if we tried, we could find that set in another show. Oh, easily. Because it's like a, just your basic, like, office like scummy office like with the clear doors so it's like gives you that like they're douchebags feel it's so cheap it looks like 
It looks like a set they took from another pilot. Yeah. Like, it's not a nice set. Mm -hmm. And it just, it feels weird. Like, the lighting's different. Like, it's just, it's jarring when it's... And it's small. And it is small. I, I definitely get the impression of... They needed to establish things that happen in this scene, mm-hmm. and they couldn't think of a less clumsy way to do it. Yes. So we get this nice exposition dump. Uh, that Chip Taylor is wearing a wire because Lorraine Wiesner's love potion put her in the hospital. Yes. Officer Taylor, in case you forgot, your assignment was to nail her. <laughs> Believe me, there's nothing I'd rather do. (laughs) Just these great little quick lines. And the DA is a woman. uh, For my 90s sitcom, folks, she's very reminiscent of like the Cece Babcock character from The Nanny. She is the straight-laced ice queen blonde that is meant to be juxtaposed with the sexy brunette lead. And... The DA also clearly has some kind of semi-romantic relationship with Chip Taylor. Mm -hmm. Like, she thinks of it as a will they or won't they, even if Chip may just think of it as a won't they. Yeah. But there's clearly, like, some familiarity there. So that night comes in. Well, I I want to bring up this line. You just remember, Chippy. I'm going to be listening to everything that goes on tonight. And if you're not out of there by 10 o'clock, I'm sending in the SWAT team. <laughs> Big laugh. I don't. I don't know if that was a joke. Well, I think it's that she's so possessive. Like I think it's a very. Again, I got really big. CC um, Babcock vibes. Yeah, it's just you know we're we're three decades removed before the invention of the horny police. So, again, it's just being ahead of its time. And I will say, The Nanny was the same season as this. Oh, really? On CBS. Oh, okay. So it would have been really interesting to see these shows air together. Yeah. Because they're very similar in a lot of ways. And do a crossover episode. Oh, God. Don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) Um... It looked like I shattered one of Laura's favorite possessions when I said that. (laughs) I've never wanted anything so much in my life. <laughs> Are you Googling it in the hopes that you'll just will it into existence right now? No. But there's a good tweet about how Fran Drescher is just Jewish Elvira. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't see anything. But. All right. Well, now I'm sad. Day ruined. So, Chip comes back in, because now we're in the only set we have besides that, and Elvira is trying to seduce him, but he keeps pushing that he wants the love potion. Right. And finally, uh, he's like, I have a problem. I, I, I need a love potion. And it's never directly said, mm-hmm. but we are clearly meant to glean that Chip suffers from erectile dysfunction. Yes. So, Elvira says, we'll get you a nice stiff drink. Mm-hmm. But I'm Ching. And she accidentally ends up throwing the potion at him. And he goes 
literally like stiff as a board. Yes. Like um he is replaced by a mannequin. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, the body binder curse from Harry Potter. Yes. That happens to poor Neville Longbottom in the first book. A basilisk looked at him. And uh, Minerva and Paige come in. Because they had been out at the state fair. Yes. Because they needed to get rid of them. They tried to get rid of them, so they went to the state fair. And And Minerva didn't want to go. But but they come back with like nine pies? Because there was a cakewalk, and Minerva cheated using witchcraft, and they won all the cakes. Yes. Uh, I just want to say a little bit of a, a Chekhov's pie misfire here. How do you have a comedy that introduces, like, nine pies and no one gets hit by a pie in this? I kind of love it, though. Um, And Elvira is panicking. She goes, she, like, they send Paige up to her room to change her clothes. (laughs) And... Because Chip has become so stiff, he's laying, like, in between the two sofas. Yeah, with a tablecloth over. So she throws a tablecloth over and... and (laughs) They're like, ooh, a table. And they just put pies all over him. And so she goes, and she goes, he's hard as a rock. And Minerva goes, well, isn't that the whole point? (laughs) And she yells, what am I going to do with a big, stiff cop? (laughs) And Renfield goes, (laughs) ayo. And the show's great. Well, it's, it's one of those shows that, like, it has a lot of really good jokes, but also just has a few moments where it's like, we know what we are. So, like, instead of giving Renfield a quip, they're like, let's just have him make a noise. This is fine. <laughs> Ayo. Anyway. Um, Paige then comes downstairs while Chip is not covered with the tablecloth and finds out what they've been doing. Yes. And she's like, no. And Paige is like, you know how I like to pick up men. Yes. Because they've now moved, picked up and moved. Too. Yeah. And Paige wants nothing to do with them. And then Renfield says something to her. And she retorts. Yeah. And then that's how they know that she is the family gift. Because only a witch can hear the thoughts of animals. Yes. And then Paige loses it and screams, I'm not like you. I want to be normal. However, the ten minutes are up. And the cops are here. Yes, the cops roll in. Elvira says she's going to make a stand, and she wants Paige and Minerva to escape unharmed. Yeah. But Paige turns out to be a very powerful witch. And she reverses the spell, but Elvira has to kiss it. The true love's kiss thing. And we hear the SWAT team outside go, This is a bust! And Elvira goes, No, this is a bust. And uh, so the DA and the SWAT team are there and they're trying to arrest Elvira. Yes. And Elvira is going to turn her, is going to go quietly because she doesn't really have any, like any way to defend herself. And then Mrs. Wiesner comes in or excuse me, Ms. Wiesner comes in and they're like, good, Ms. Wiesner, you're here. You, now you can formally press charges, and Ms. Wiesner refuses. Yes. Turns out what hospitalized her wasn't the potion. It was dancing outside naked. She caught pneumonia. <laughs> and the attending physician is her new fiancé. Yeah. So the potion worked, 
And Ms. Wiesner wants to press no charges because mm. she thinks now the spell has worked. Yeah. And uh, Elvira kisses Chip and the DA goes, Chip, how could you kiss that trash? And Elvira goes, at least trash gets picked up. Yeah. Which is like a real old joke. It, it was probably new then. <laughs> I feel like I remember that joke being in like Greece. Um, yeah. And then we get the end tag that is Paige, Minerva, and Elvira drinking tea together. Well, isn't there a whole bit of her in handcuffs as well? They don't. There's not a good line in there. Okay, because I just Elvira likes getting tied up, so that happens. <laughs> so Paige makes a joke about what's in the tea, and then she says it's mostly herbal tea and some toenails, and that's kind of our first clue that Paige is going to start fitting in a little more with the family. Yeah. And it's a good little pilot. Yeah. Now, a few years later, a show with a snarky talking black cat, two ants, and a teenage witch who has to go live with them becomes extremely successful. Yes, indeed. Um, I think the interesting thing there is that the focus is on the teenager in Sabrina the Teenage Witch while it's on the ant in the Elvira show. Yeah. Uh, I always realized... There was a point a couple years ago where I realized how old the actresses playing Sabrina's aunts were yeah. and realizing that I was much closer in age at 30 to the aunts than I was to Sabrina. Oh, yeah. Like, Caroline Ray was only like 31 when mm-hmm. that show started. But you think of Aunt Hilda as being so old. Well, I think she's 900 in the show because there's flashbacks to her at the Salem Witch Trials. Yes. So, like, they are elder witches. But, like, what I'm saying is, you think about them being so much, uh... They're adults to a teenager, so, of course, they're old in yeah. terms of, like, being parental figures. Yeah, she was 32 when right. Sabrina the Teenage Witch started to air. Like, she's under 60 now. Right. Which I find very interesting, because we, I would have thought she was, like, 50 mm-hmm. when I was 8. So I found that really, really interesting that this show, with things changed, would ultimately become extremely successful. Uh, the, po- the pilot was produced when CBS president uh, Jeff Sagansky was a big Elvira fan. But as the fall schedule was being finalized, he got very sick. Oh, no. And the new programming head hated the show because it was 23 minutes of boob jokes. Yes, uh, but like high quality boob jokes. Uh, one executive quit after the show wasn't picked up. Really? Yeah, several executives were very angry. Um, and other sitcoms that were greenlit instead could be covered on the show. Because like, this wasn't like my favorite thing in the world or anything. Like I have a few like nitpicky things where like there's jokes that don't really make sense. There's one joke in here that's... Uh, She's watching an infomercial for like, uh, like a, a hydrator or something, and she goes, "We could make so much beef jerky." And there's a huge laugh. I was like, yeah. "That's not a joke," but I will say it shows so much promise that if we were covering this not as a pilot but a one season wonder, I'm sure I'd be in love with this show. Oh, I really like this show. To me, it is a rarity of being. Such a female-driven comedy. Yeah. In the early 90s. Uh, it it actually... I, I really like The Nanny. That's a really yeah. important... 
And this to me does feel very similar to the nanny mm-hmm. in a lot of ways of that. Like, I don't think I would like this in 1993 if I was trying to watch it when yeah. I was a child. Yeah. But as an adult watching it, it is hilarious. And like the jokes are so quick. Mm-hmm. It, and, it's wall to wall. Cause I was looking up, like I was doing some basic research on Elvira and I found out she's one of her uh, first things she did in California was she was in the groundlings. Really? Yeah. She and, was a groundling. Yeah. And I thought that was fascinating and it, Makes nothing but sense to me. Yeah. I'm like, of course she was an improv girl. Mm-hmm. Because being that quick to... It's also that quickness to identify what someone would say about you and say it faster. Yeah. Like, she is a walking boob joke. And she's going to make that boob joke way faster than you are. Mm-hmm. And like... I don't need to really go into Elvira's legacy because I think everyone knows Elvira is very much still around. Her autobiography is dropping at the end of the year. I mean, I knew she was still around, but like she has like an active YouTube channel. Yeah, we were were watching it recently. And like she's still hitting the convention scene. Granted, not as much with COVID, but like she is 70 years old. She did a fantastic music video complaining about uh, Halloween being canceled. Yeah, it's incredible. And, like, to be pumping out YouTube content at 70, I don't think I can name another person who's doing that. And she looks fantastic. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. Like, I understand, like, she's doing magic with makeup, but, like... She was Elvira. She always wore makeup. You have no idea the magic she does with makeup. She has burns on 35% of her body from a boiling water accident from when she was a child. What? Yeah. She, like... And that came out actually, like, fairly recently. That that had happened to her. That's incredible. She is... I love Elvira. Like, I think she is so incredible. Like, I've, I wouldn't say, like, I was a big Elvira person before this, but, like, in watching just this show and then doing a little bit of research, I am fascinated by Elvira. Yeah, like, that thing about her body being scalded, that didn't come out until about five years ago on The Nerdist. Really? So, like, she had been famous for a very long time with no one knowing it. She jokes that her Elvira costume only shows the good parts. Okay. But, like, she's clearly doing some really, like, dead-on things with her makeup. Yeah. Uh, And one thing I also want to add is I kind of miss this trend of a person being a character. Yeah. Like, she is Elvira. And there's only a few other people that I think that do this. And none of them are recent. Like, there's Pee Wee Herman. There's Ernest P. Worrell. And... My personal favorite that we have to eventually cover at some point on this show, there's Super Dave Osborne. I think we have to cover Ernest P. Worrell. I think we have to cover Ernest P. Worrell at some point as well. hey Vern, it's me, Ernest, would count for the show. But I miss this. I miss this, like, I'm a character. Like, I'm not an actor who plays Elvira. I am Elvira. Yeah. That doesn't really happen anymore. No. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, a modern example of this. The closest I could come up with was Fred. 
And Fred doesn't even want to be Fred anymore. I mean, I guess there are... Uh, Miranda Sings. Miranda Sings, yeah, I guess that I mean, would be she kind is, of close. She is phased out Miranda Sings. Now, Colleen Ballinger is very mm-hmm. much Colleen Ballinger. Yeah. She's become more of like a family YouTuber now. Um, I, I think there are some YouTubers yeah. who do yeah, like character. Maybe like Nostalgia Critic or like Angry Video Game Nerd could count. But like, they don't protect the gimmick. Like, James Roth will be the first to say, I'm James, I'm not the angry video game nerd. Yeah. That's just a character I do. Like, the people were just like, no, I'm this person all the time. I don't, I don't know what that voice was. <laughs> it was Joe Exotic. Yeah. So I guess... Oh, he- you know who, who, who's the last one to do this? Joe Exotic? No. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, that's a really fair one. Yeah, because his name is Dan. <laughs> So I would say he's the last one to do this. So, and, and my least favorite of them. So uh, there's one more tiny thing I want to say about this show before we give it a verdict. Okay. Can we talk about how this show, so much better, does a talking animal than McDuff the talking dog? And I want to point out that it's not like we see Renfield in close up. No, it's just like whenever the cat talks, they show the cat laying there. They don't try to make his mouth move. It's just like, we get it, it's the cat talking. Yeah. And I don't know, cat could also be a ghost. We never established whether or not it's it's half cat, half ghost. She does say the thoughts of animals, so she doesn't imply that he is half ghost. Right, but we don't know. There was no theme song to explain it to us. There really wasn't a theme song. I did love the title card because it had that very... um, that very endearing, nine like vintage quality to it. Yes, I really like that. So verdict time. Oh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Oh, I would have loved to have seen more of this. Yeah, it's a stay tuned for me as well. the 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 feel of this show was very uh, married with children, in that like the audience did more than just laugh and like sigh at like cute moments of learning. Yeah, there was like. Rowdy like hooting and hollering, and uh, I think that was, that's interesting and something that was lacking in CBS's lineup. So yeah, like I, I do think the nanny scratched that itch at around the same time, but I also really think the two of them in a block would have been really interesting. Absolutely. So yeah, I would definitely call this a stay tuned. So uh, what are we watching next week? Um, we are covering something special. This was something, uh, the Patreon, it just kept coming back. Yeah, so we had this issue where the Patreon, uh, bonus episode kept ending in a tie. And there was this war between those who wanted us to cover, uh, Killer Camp, which is a CW show, and those who wanted us to do a deep dive in Nickelodeon giveaways. And since Killer Camp is currently going to be getting a second season, apparently, according to the internet. And most of these uh, giveaways are doomed. We've decided that Nickelodeon giveaways will be an actual episode of Stay Doomed that does not need to appear on the Patreon. And the Killer Camp will be a Patreon-exclusive bonus episode. So next week, we're covering all of your favorite and our 
Nickelodeon giveaways. Yeah, sweepstakes. Yeah. Uh, Phone-in contests. Yeah, fill out a postcard and send it in to Nickelodeon where only kids win. P.O. Box 963, New York City, New York State, 10108. All right. Anywho. Uh, so Which I do say, and I got from Stick Stickly, and I still say it now like 30 years later. Anywho. Anywho. Simmer down, simmer down. Simmer down. Thank you to crowdfund crypt keeper Matthew for keeping the lights and the air conditioning on here in the studio. Uh, and joining our Patreon, a Patreon that you can join, and you can join our Discord and talk to us about all of our fun stuff. What are we watching next week? We already did. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you have recently fallen in love with Elvira, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you would like us to do more somewhat holiday-themed uh, episodes, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed.